Episode 5, Oversharing. I wasn't sure if I'd record today. Tensions have been running high since this morning. Jack yelled at everyone in the dining hall. He was listening to Adam and Tara arguing, and I guess he finally lost it. Started shouting about how everyone is so self-absorbed and should quit whining about their own issues. I guess I kind of agree. It's like, everyone's got issues. Certainly everyone here has issues, and we can only get out of this if we stop focusing on ourselves and start thinking of us as, as a group, a team. I didn't expect it from him, though. He's usually in the middle of everything. Not the center of attention, not that kind of middle, but he's kind of in between things. Not the loudest, not the quietest, but not invisible either. Average? Not not average in, like, a bad way as in no character, but... Oh, I'll, I'll stop digging my own grave now. Um, I get it. It's difficult to trust people who are little more than strangers. It's not like I'm any different. But we haven't gotten anywhere like this. And neither did anyone before us. So maybe we should try something different. Pulling together. I got the new guy to give a story for this recording. Andy was fairly quick to adjust to the inside, joined a mapping crew, He wrote things out for me a couple days after arriving. Writing of Andrew O'Carey. Recorded on the 6th of February, 2022. Up until the age of 14, I'd always wondered what it would be like to be a teenager. To grow tall all of a sudden. To get mood swings. I was curious about what could cause the ridiculous rebellious streaks I always saw in movies. Then it hit. Mood swings would have been putting it lightly. Whatever emotion I felt, I felt ten times more acutely than I normally would. I went from the quiet guy who sits in a corner and kind of gets along with everyone to a train headed for a hairpin turn at 95 miles per hour. The first couple weeks weren't so bad. It felt like I was skydiving. The world was up in my face, the wind slapping me harder and harder. I came downstairs one evening to grab a glass of water and overheard my parents talking, their voices straining against the confines of a whisper. I didn't need to round the corner to know that my dad would be standing in front of the window, arms crossed, looking out at the street, his back rigid. He said he didn't know where they'd gone wrong. How his son, a young man, could be going so soft. The disappointment in his voice hit me in the gut like a fist. My shoulders sagged as I listened to my mother tell him that it was just a phase, just puberty, that I'd grow out of it. She was probably sitting in her favorite chair, holding a cup of tea, staring at his back and wishing he'd turn around and face her. I backed up toward the stairs, trying to keep my footfall soft as tears streaked my face. Thirst forgotten. I crawled back in bed. I was honestly relieved when I got the prescriptions. It didn't matter that they were a confirmation of there being something seriously wrong. Any chance that it could all stop, that life could go back to some semblance of normalcy, was a welcome one. 
I don't know what I expected, but when nothing changed despite the medication, I guess I kind of gave up. Gave in. I knew that there was no reason for me to punch a wall because a mosquito wouldn't leave me alone or refuse to leave my room because I'd watched a sad video on YouTube, but the urges were overwhelming. It wasn't all bad. If I felt good, I felt better than I ever had before, like I could accomplish whatever I put my mind to. That lasted about three months. Plenty of time for me to lose most of my friends, and the ones who stuck around started acting like worried parents, which I did not need another set of. Somewhere in the middle, when it was clear that it wasn't helping, the medication stopped. Doctor's orders. I sat down in the kitchen one day. It was a good day for me. A calm day. People don't really think of calm when they think of emotions. But the state of just being okay with the way things are, content, rational, calm, it can be so powerful. I was filled to the brim with this calm, almost sedated, when I started to feel it seep out. It was like someone had pulled the plug in a sink full of molasses. It all started dripping away, moving viscously through the room. I couldn't see it, exactly, but I knew it was moving out, away from me. It hit my sister first. She nearly dropped her cereal box. Then my parents. My mom stopped, coffee mug halfway to her lips. Dad looked slightly dazed as he spread an excessive amount of butter on his toast. I don't think anyone figured out what was going on that morning. They left the house quietly, peacefully and one about their days. For the first time in weeks, I felt good. Really good. Like myself. At school that day, sometimes an emotion would start to build up, get big, but I'd feel it vent off of me. Happiness floats like steam. Sadness pours out, rushing. Frustration is like spears, jagged edges catching those around it. Since that day, Things have been okay. I'm not trapped in my own emotions anymore. At first I thought my life would resume as normal, but it creeps people out when they're near me often enough, and I don't blame them. At some point, I noticed my classmates and the few friends I had left trying to avoid physically being in the same room as me. I switched to homeschool halfway through the second semester of sophomore year. Anything is better than being hopelessly swayed by everything I'm feeling. Anytime I get lonely, I remember the exhaustion of feeling everything excessively. In light of that, a bit of isolation doesn't seem so bad. I think I could be content with the way things are. Except I've just got this, well, a loose end of sorts. The new semester started three weeks after I got my feet back under me. I had most of the same classes as in semester one, except Woodshop, which replaced health. Most of the kids in Woodshop didn't know me from the other classes, and, as such, I hadn't yet had the chance to completely alienate myself from them. We got along pretty well. Not that Chop is extremely social, what with the power tools and saws and hammers making so much noise that earplugs are a safety requirement. I was very careful never to vent rage in there. 
instead faking a stomachache or coming up with some other excuse to quickly leave the room on the few occasions that I felt frustration starting to build. One of the few quiet activities besides drafting was sanding. If it wasn't raining, we'd take our pieces outside to sand them. I was sitting on the stairs near the shop working on my jigsaw box when Robin and Cole, a couple of my classmates, joined me and struck up a conversation. Robin's eyes lit up when she told me about her little brother and how they had a joint recital coming up. Cole cracked jokes about his misadventures as the sole male member of the school's gymnastics team. Due to Title IX, it had taken a huge fight to allow him to even practice, and competitions were out of the question. As a result, football practices were technically open for girls if they should wish to join. We met up a few days later outside of class to grab some frozen yogurt together. Before I knew it, we were hanging out on a regular basis. Sometimes other people would join as well. Sometimes it was just Cole, and sometimes it was just Robin. Time got funny around Robin. It slipped by. At the same time, the moments with her filled up my memories of the day more than the hours they represented. Specifically when she played the cello. She invited Cole and me over to her house a couple times. That was where I first heard her play. In a way, she was like her instrument, graceful, with flashes of humor and quirkiness when she wanted. She got absorbed in her music like it was a two-way conversation between only her and her instrument. Sometimes, she got answers she didn't like, and she'd repeat the phrase until the message got through. Sometimes, the responses the cello gave made her laugh a little, the corners of her eyes crinkling. Lots of things made her laugh like that. Birds hopping along the top of a bench, leaves blowing about, making the eddies that carried them visible, natural patterns appearing under the lathe and woodchop. Robin smiled when she stepped on frosty grass, crunching it under her boots. She giggled when she was marked tardy for helping a custodian handle a flooded bathroom, and beamed when her brother placed in a track meet. That little laugh brightened up our meetings, and I'm not sure if that was it, but I think the first time I caught myself thinking about her in a different way a way that I didn't think about my other friends in, was when she smiled like that. We'd hung out one-on-one -on -one before, but the way I felt during those moments started to change. One day, I decided to ask her out to a movie, not as a date, per se, but, well, kind of as a date, I suppose. My nerves literally got away from me, panic spreading all over the quad. Ahead of me, Someone ran into the science building, leaving their backpack behind, and I heard an argument break out, voices tense with unease. Robin started worrying about her next recital, which wasn't for another two weeks, and I did my best to reassure her before turning away guiltily and heading for the bus home. I tried not to vent off any of my emotions too much around any of them, but it was kind of inevitable. Doing so tasted bitter but there was no way I was going to drown myself anymore. I changed tactics and texted Robin the next day. A lame way to ask for a first date, but a way that worked for me. Her reply, a yes with a smiley face, had me bouncing on the bed and rolling on the floor. 
My mom ran in at one point, worried I was in some kind of trouble. One look at my face had her starting up the kettle, which meant it was time for a talk. She successfully interrogated me over tea and chocolate. Any embarrassment I might have had blown away by that smiley and those three letters. As the weekend drew near, that pure joy became tainted with worry. Would it be awkward? Who was I kidding? Of course it would be awkward. Should I have asked Cole to join too? What did she think of me? What if the movie was terrible or we were late? Robin met me at the theater that Saturday, and the tension I'd held melted away as we chatted over a snack before the film started. A few days after the movie, she asked me to go for a bike ride with her. We started to study together. Nothing official. We still had fun with Cole and the rest, but something warm started to grow inside of me when I was with her. One of the few emotions that I didn't get overwhelmed by when I bottled it up. At least at first. The problem started when I realized that, no matter how hard I tried, little bits of that warmth were sparking out. It was wrong. I knew it was wrong because the more I fell in love with her, the more she felt those same emotions, but not by choice. Then again, do any of us really choose our emotions? I mean, mind over matter only goes so far, right? The three of us were hanging out outside the shop, taking a break one day. Robin was laughing. She had this special way of including everyone around her in any jokes she was enjoying. Her laughter made the little sparks grow into a shower as the bottle that I tried to keep the flame in fractured, and then shattered. I quickly excused myself, claiming a stomachache, hoping to pull that warm glow out the door behind me. I almost stayed. I wanted to stay. Two days later, when shop rolled around again, I noticed that Cole and Robin weren't speaking to each other, but neither seemed angry. It was subtle. Robin would walk into the drafting room and Cole would leave, muttering something about oiling a cutting board. Cole would ask me how my stomach was, if I'd had a good night's rest, but wouldn't extend the usual greeting to Robin. The shift in dynamics started to grate on me. I worried about our little group falling apart, about losing two of the only friends I had left. I decided to give it time, let them sort themselves out. If they hadn't come around by the weekend, I would confront them both and get to the bottom of things. The awkwardness continued on through Friday morning, and I'm sure my presence didn't help, as my feelings were surging with uncertainty. Robin pulled me aside during the break, all nerves and shuffling feet. What's wrong? I asked. It looked like she was trying to swallow something hard and dry. Andy, I just wanted to check. There's something that's been bothering me. The movie... That was... She trailed off. My heartbeat felt like it was taking over my face. Yes? I squeezed out. Robin looked away. Look, don't take things the wrong way. I just need to be sure. I don't want there to be anything awkward, you know? That was just friends hanging out, right? The air stopped going into my lungs, 
like someone had punched me in the gut. My heartbeat, my heartbeat dropped right into my feet. I managed a nod, and the look of relief on her face was so pure that it made me smile. I watched her back as she headed to class, then leaned against the lockers. It was better than her falling in love with me when she didn't mean it. It was better. I don't want anything to be awkward. What's wrong? Just friends hanging out. Our conversation replayed over and over during the weekend. The meaning felt vaguer with every repetition. She'd been relieved it wasn't a date. Perhaps I'd been wrong, and that emotion didn't affect others so much. Maybe it was weaker, or she was immune. It would explain why she hadn't run away yet. Monday brought answers. I let the little sparks go when Robin enthusiastically showed off the cutting board she'd created for her parents, then watched as Robin and Cole's eyes locked and then snapped away from each other, both of them blushing. A seed of dread settled in my stomach, rooting there. I shouldn't have done what I did next. I tried to let it be, but couldn't help myself and asked Robin for another study session without inviting Cole. We filled in our algebra homework in comfortable silence, interrupted by the occasional question or grumble. About halfway through, we took a break, grabbed a cookie, and chatted about little things. That warm feeling started to spread itself through me, and, after a moment's hesitation, I let it go. Let it wash over Robin. Her pencil stopped tapping against the edge of the table. She looked up and smiled, her gaze soft. It felt like the crackle of pine needles dropping on glowing embers in my chest. I could feel the space between us, its shape and size and texture. Robin? I asked. Yeah. That laugh. I could barely get the words out. Penny for your thoughts. She giggled and held up the paper. It looks like him, doesn't it? In the corner, she doodled a caricature in a striped sweater that was obviously Cole. Should we give him a call in a bit? He'll definitely still have homework. He's got a presentation for his English class next week, and his training will end soon. I went home that day with a heavy mind. Not only had I watched the girl I liked fall for someone else, I'd purposefully tried to influence her feelings. I felt dirty. Suffocated. The next weekend, I quit school. I took a trip out to stay with some relatives and completely cut off contact with everyone outside of my family. If I feel that warmth growing again, I'll cut that person out before I start sparking. Choosing how that person feels shouldn't be up to me. I will never make the same choice again. In a way, it's the only way I can kind of get back at whatever cursed me. I don't know if I've actually been cursed, but sometimes it's nice having an imaginary punching bag to aim my anger at. 
I don't want to come across as all doom and gloom and brooding Victorian literature character, but my situation means I will probably be alone for life. So, that's the real bone I have to pick with it. There's not much to say about how I got to the inside. There was a door that opened to this space. That room was behind a different door, I think. Which room came first? When did I cross from my reality into this one? I must have walked in myself. There were no signs of a struggle. No bruises, no scrapes, no headache. I think I chose this, whether I knew it or not at the time. I don't think I knew. I had two pennies and a hair tie in the pockets of my jeans, and was wearing a dark red hoodie that usually sits in the back of my closet. End of Andrew's writing. Curses. Is this place a curse? Do we get cursed to come here because we have some other ailment, or does the ailment include the curse of being imprisoned in the inside? It's so easy to look at this, at him, and just see a high schooler who still has a lot of figuring out to do. It's a heavy statement to make when you've only had your first love. But most of us here have grown up fast. The, the weight of his words feel different from Scott's. I forgot that they're about the same age. think Andy might be younger, actually. Both still supposed to be kids. I know my childhood ended early, and I can see it in the others, too. <laughs> Listen to me, talking like someone twice my age. I take it back. Who am I to judge how seriously his story should be taken? There's almost nothing more frustrating than having to justify yourself to others when you thought you were being heard. I won't do it to someone else. Yes? Hey, Cash. Sure to butter. Am I interrupting? Um, not really. I'm about done. Wanna come in? Sure. Oh, whose story? Andy's. Oh. Did you have something to... Right. So I was thinking, you know how everyone is giving you their stories or little things to read? I think it'd be best for me to record my own. Yeah, no problem. Most people don't seem to want it, you know, but you're free to record your own story if you'd like. Great, thanks. Alex? Yeah? Be, be careful with the recorder. We've only found this one so far, and it already has a lot of work on it. If, if I were to disappear, people would know where to find it. So make sure you keep someone else informed of where you put it. We don't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You can take it now if you'd like. I don't have anything else to record at the moment. Okay. Here, hang on a moment. I'll turn it off. The Inside is an audio drama podcast written by Annika Lee Vroom. This episode featured Shurd Heegstra as Alex West and Annika Lee Vroom as Cassandra Baxter. The Inside is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information or to get in touch, visit okramoments.com slash the dash inside.